Not only are we redeemed, not only are we restored, but by your grace, we are here this morning. We're here to celebrate. That's what a worship service is. It celebrates of how great you are and how you have met every one of our needs throughout this entire week. And we are here to rehearse that your grace will meet us every day of every moment in the coming week. But in that, Lord, as we find ourselves face to face with elements that aren't in and of themselves anything of great standard. It's a piece of a cracker. It's a little bit of grape juice. But yet the significance of them is what draws us in worship of who you are. For it is by grace we are saved through faith. And not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And all we are here this morning to do is to boast in the righteousness of our King who died for us. As the Apostle Paul says, my boasting is in Christ alone. So I ask, Lord, that you would bring back to our memory the events that these elements surround. And the portion of Scripture that has already been read takes us back into a historical moment of time when you spent with your disciples. Help us to learn from it, O Lord, this morning that we will praise you and thank you for your grace. For it is in Christ Jesus our Lord we praise these things. Amen. Before we begin, one announcement I wish to share with you. It's more of a prayer request, a prayer, a praise, really. You might remember that we drew your attention to the health condition of Polly Mace, and the Lord has determined it was time for her to go home. And so remember family members and friends that are left back, but rejoice and knowing that Polly has been set free from all that would chain her, both physically and, if you will, spiritually to this earth. She is now in the presence of our Savior in whom we can praise. Memory is one of those great, if you will, and most precious gifts that God can give to us in the physical realm. But even as that, it's for this reason that even the loss of memory is the most cruel things that can ever happen to an individual. Do you find yourself, well, you younger ones have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm talking to the older folks now. Do you have trouble remembering things? I mean, it's bad when you pull out the driveway and you turn the wrong way. And that's happened to me more than one time and my faithful wife, led by the Holy Spirit, says, where are you going? And, and so I find myself grasping for memory and such things. 
It's therefore quite worthy to note that in the scriptures, God tells us, as well as his people, that they are to remember certain things. And with that, though, he also puts with that items to help them to remember. Your mind might be already racing back to the book of Exodus in chapter 12, where God institutes what is known as the Passover. And there were certain elements that were there that the nation of Israel was to do. There were certain things that they were to do that was not to escape their memory. In fact, if you read from verses 1 down to verse 28, you'll find out that God gives instructions that this is something you are to do every year at a specific time. They are to remember. Uh, then there's that instance in the book of Joshua, specifically in chapter 4, four verses 5 through 7, where God gives direct instructions that there were stones that were supposed to be taken out of the center of the River Jordan. And they were to be set up as memorial stones. And as God gave instruction, it was for the purpose that if your children or your grandchildren come by and they see these memorial stones and they ask you what they're there for, that the children of Israel were supposed to say it's a memorial to remind us that God not only took us out of Egypt, crossed us through the Red Sea, but now has brought us to this promised land on dry ground, and God has provided. And then certainly we have in our passage this morning that Pastor Steve read, that in this final, if you will, Passover feast that Jesus is going to eat with his disciples, there are elements that they are to remember, the bread and the wine. With that in mind, though, with the disciples, I'm going to ask you now, if you're not already there, go to Luke chapter 22 and follow along. Some insights, I trust, will be helpful to you to make this particular service a memorable one. The disciples were themselves, they were well aware of the significance of the Passover. The preceding verses that Pastor Steve didn't read, Jesus said to two of his disciples, go and prepare the place. He gave them instructions of where they were to go, who they were supposed to ask. And then Jesus and the other ten show up ready for the Passover. So the disciples knew not only the value of the Passover, but they also realized the, if you will, the strictness of preparation for that. And, and if understanding our New Testament accuracy, in reality, this is the third Passover feast that Jesus would eat and partake of with his disciples. That comes from the fact that Jesus' ministry was just a little over three years. And so this being the third one, there is a change that is about to happen that causes the disciples to do something that I trust we won't do. But let's continue on. On this final occasion, though, the disciples did not begin to put the dots together. 
they were aware of the times that Jesus quite often shared that he must go to Jerusalem and there be turned over to men and he was going to give his life. And then he said, but in three days I will arise. He used certain significant symbols, if you will. He said, as Noah, I'm sorry, yeah, not Noah, forgive me, as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth for three days. And they would have known that story. But what they were missing was the significance of what Jesus was saying here in this text. And so they didn't connect the, the, the things that Jesus was saying until much later. So, so much it is that must have been quite startling to them when Jesus took the bread and then he took the wine and he compared them to himself. The bread representing or emblematic, if you will, of his body. The wine emphasizing, again, his blood that was going to be shed for them. And they missed it. And in fact, it would have been really to their advantage that as the Passover, the people would rejoice in the fact that they were liberated from Egypt. That they didn't, weren't under the tyranny of the family of Pharaoh. They were set free and heading for a promised land. And yet, for some reason, the disciples missed this. They missed it. Now, it is for this very reason that we're able, even this morning here, to view this meal. As we share it this morning as a meal that has been provided for those who understand. And in the simplest form, if you will, it's a meal that's been provided for those who believe. Well, the question arises, believe in what? What are we to believe? Well, who believe it's that it's futile to attempt, if you will, on anyone's part to try to be good enough to rise up to the measure of being perfect before God. Now, when you stop and think about that, that's an earth-shattering thought, isn't it? To realize that nothing imperfect can go to heaven. And so all of the world's system, all of the world's, if you will, ingredients will not make it. Because there's only one perfect way. And, and the interesting thing of it is, is that the disciples know this. It's through Jesus Christ. And, and not only that, but we are to believe, therefore, that all acceptance with God would be found only in the atoning blood that is shed by Jesus Christ. And for those who believe that although they are sinful and although they are guilty and although they are burdened, that in coming to Jesus, as David writes in Psalm 103, he willingly and lovingly separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. In other words, this particular feast, this meal, if you will, carries with it a qualification. A qualification that the Apostle Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
when he said, let a man examine himself, that he does not partake of these elements in an unworthy manner. And he's writing to Christians at that time, by the way, all those who have, should have believed in everything that we've just discussed. But they were going on another path. They were coming to the table in an unworthy manner, and the Apostle Paul makes sure that they are reminded of the elements and why they're there. But if you stop and think about it, in this context is when Jesus asks or makes a very interesting statement. In fact, it's quite fantastic. For he says this, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Most of the commentators say that when Jesus says this, what he's referring to is the significance of his death, and and rightly so. But I think in my study, I've come to realize that there might be another meaning. And obviously, without adulterating the scriptures and not taking you down a path that will cause you to be muddied, But I kind of wonder that maybe, just maybe, is Jesus saying, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. It's not that he needs to be remembered by them. It's for their good that they do remember him. But the issue this morning, as I ask you, has there ever been a time that we have forgotten who Jesus is. Ever been a time? I mean, it's easy for us, if you will, to criticize the disciples for this particular statement. But if you just go to chapter 22 of the Gospel of Luke, you realize that shortly after Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, they begin to argue who's the greatest in the kingdom. We overlook that too quickly, don't we? Even in the midst of this Passover meal that Jesus is changing in a significant way to point to his sacrifice upon the cross, the disciples became consumed more about who's more important in the kingdom. Jesus corrects them, by the way. For he says, really, the most important one is the one who's sitting at the head. Or the one who was laying at the head. But I'm here as a servant. Did you forget that? I wonder if their minds went back to when Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. I've come to serve as a reminder to them of who he is. Now, before we get on our righteous high horse, may I ask you a question? During past communion celebrations, have you forgotten things? Have you forgotten who Jesus really is? In fact, maybe even right now as you're seating here, you're wondering, did I turn the stove on? Or should I have turned it off? I wish that pastor would hurry up. I got reservations at 11 o'clock to be somewhere. 
How quickly we don't remember who Jesus is. I was blessed to realize that one of the big guns of preaching back in the 19th century, now that's going back a couple hundred years, confessed this to his congregation. He said, I know what it is to forget Christ. And let me tell you how it happens. It happens by two means. As he's speaking to his congregation, he says, one, that this heart of mine is a cage of unclean birds, a den of loathsome creatures where dragons haunt and owls do congregate. You don't hear much like that over the pulpits today. And secondly, he says, the reason I can forget about Christ is because far too many other things attract me and occupy me. As he develops those two, he comes to explain that using an analogy of the sun and its largeness and so much more significant in size than the moon, and yet the moon is far more influential on the tides of the planet. The reason the moon has influence that it does is because it's proximity to the earth. And so he says, here's my problem in forgetting Christ. So I find that a little crawling worm upon the earth has more effect upon my soul than the glorious Christ of heaven. A puff of fame, a shout of applause, a thriving business, my house, my home will affect me more than all the glories of heaven simply because earth is near and heaven is far away. The memorial service in which we share this morning is for the purpose of drawing us from things that distract us. To turn us away from all that infects us and brings us close to the actuality of the matters of really what does matter in this world. It means drawing near to Jesus Christ for whom alone these elements speak. And I kind of wonder if there isn't a bit of truth in that statement when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. He's telling his disciples, don't forget who I am. Well, and so we come to this table this morning and we are to do this in remembrance of him. The question is, how do we remember him? You may, if you will, wish to remember him in his birth as the very son of God coming to earth for the purpose of fulfilling the will of the Father. You may wish to remember him in his baptism as when he comes up out of the water, the heavens open, the Holy Spirit 
as a dove comes and lands on him and a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased for Jesus to be the Messiah of God. You may want to think of him in his temptation in the wilderness as he met and defeated the very plan of our arch enemy. You may wish to think of his arrival in Jerusalem to ponder him in the Garden of Gethsemane, handed over to the mob and ultimately crucified on the cross for the sins of mankind. You may want to remember him as the only one who, as the hymn writer says, breaks the power of canceled sin and sets the prisoner free. You may think of him seated at the right hand of the Father, a high priest who's interceding for us, his children, his saints. You may wish to think on him on the threshold of his return when the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall ever be with the Lord, with the Lord, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Wherever you choose to remember Christ. Whatever settles your mind, let us be aware that when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, we need to never forget who Jesus is. I would ask that the men that are going to serve, that if they would gather to prepare as we receive these elements, and while they are gathering, let us pray together. Father, it is through your Son, our Savior, whereby we come before you this morning in this service that highlights, symbolizes the very death of our great Savior. But in it, whether it is the cracker or whether it is the grape juice, the significance of them is that we would not forget who Jesus is. So as we partake of these elements, may our hearts be raised in praise to you for the way that you willingly came and gave your life for us, that by grace we can be redeemed. By grace we can be restored. And we'll thank you and praise you in our Savior's name. Amen. Men, will you come, please?